In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21, it says, Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing, Give thanks to the Lord, for his faithful love endures forever. And so, Lord, this morning, we proclaim and say, Nothing else will do, God. And Lord, even as we go forward, God, that the praises of your people, God, go ahead. And we worship you, Lord. We, sure, we worship you today and say, God, you're good, you're faithful, you're true, you're triumphant, you're victorious. You're kind, you're compassionate, you're gracious. You're slow to anger, you're abounding in love. You're a friend, you're a husband, you're a brother. Jesus, you are good. Lord, remind us today, God. Remind us in this room, no matter how far we've been, close to you or far from you. Remind us of the goodness of you, God, right here in the land of the living today. Lord, I pray that you pour out your presence, a spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of who you are, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, the knowledge of your faithfulness, of your kindness, of you, Jesus. We welcome you. Holy Spirit, would you have your way in this place? I'm asking for a move of you, God, today. Every person in this room, I'm asking God right now that you free the distractions. Lord, you free the distractions, Lord. Lord, would you move in this space, in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Everybody's already seated now. <laughs> Hey, well, welcome, everybody. My name is Jason Ramos, and um, I get to serve here on, on our staff as our director for Impact Waco, and I love Sunday mornings. I do. I, I love this church. We, we've been a part of this church for about 15 years, and it's been an amazing journey, but I'd love to introduce you to my family. Uh, my wife, Monica, is over here with my twins, but if you can see on the picture, uh, we've got uh, five, five kids and a daughter-in-law, and we have two grandkids, uh, one who's four and, and almost... And two and um, Geely and Audrey and last night I was at a dance recital and so my daughter dances and I got to see my granddaughter dance as well so yeah so I'm a papa yeah you know say she's a memo and then you know saying we I'm a coach I'm dad uh, I get to wear a lot of hats but um, hey who was out here Friday for the block party yeah, that was a lot of fun. Did y'all see the slip and slide? I ran down it, you know, or I, I, I flipped down it like flipper going down halfway. Um, but hey, I was in the salsa contest, and I was supposed to mention this the first service, but I came up short by three votes. And so I found that some of my life group members did not vote for me. And, and I, I let them know that, hey, there's grace, and I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday, and I'm not going to hold this to you, but I said, but I lost by three votes <laughs> for the three of you that did not vote for me. No, just <laughs> no all jokes aside, we had a great time. Um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Park, the, the, the place was full of people from the neighborhood, from the church. It, it, was, it was a good time. Um, hey, but as I mentioned, I, I lead our Impact Waco team, and Impact Waco, if you're not familiar with that, it's, we have STARS book clubs in there. We have over 300 volunteers meeting with kids consistently. Yeah, if you're a STARS, thank you, STARS mentor. We're partnering with about 30 churches in Waco, providing mentors. Uh, a mentor goes and reads with the kid, uh, a, a same group of kids every week 
throughout the whole school year. And so it's a great team there. We have our recovery ministry. And so we have a meeting Wednesday night. So if anybody in here is like, hey, I'm interested in that recovery meeting, we have a, a great group that's meeting on Wednesday nights. And then we offer individual discipleship for those who are, that are hungry and that would like it. Um, we also have our, our jail team. So we're going into jail, um, Clinton County Jail. We have services, four services on Sundays, and then we do men, men's, men's services and women's. Um, we great, great time there. We go to Cinecor on Sundays as well. We, we, we're meeting a lot of people there that are starting a journey to say, hey, I want, I want my life to change. I want to get free. And so it's been beautiful encountering people there. We do sports um, this Past spring, we did a soccer camp over at University High School. We partnered with Warrior Way and provided a free soccer camp to the kids in this community. And we also do baseball and, and some other neat things. Um, just using, um, getting these avenues that God has given us to encounter people, um, to disciple, have discipleship, but, but come alongside people and build a relationship. And then also all our community outreach, you know, the fun things that we get to do here in the neighborhood. We had a great Easter event um, that we do. But really all these things is just about uh, it, being out there, meeting people, encountering people, we're building relationship. Whether we're in the food distribution, we also have on Tuesdays, at, at first and third Tuesday at 2.30, we, we get to serve uh, our community. I think we had like 200 cars come through this past week. And as the cars are coming through, we're getting to bless them with load groceries, but then we're also getting to... Uh, talk and interact with them and pray for folks. And we're seeing people that are coming to get connected, people that are getting healed, people that are joining our groups. And so it's really a, a beautiful thing to, to, to connect with people through these ministries. But as I mentioned, I've been here for about 15 years. And so I want to share kind of real quick. <laughs> Thank you, Donna. And I want to <laughs> share a little bit of how I got here. And so, um, so just for some that might not know me, I came out of a long life of drugs and chaos and and being locked up and, and just a whole whirlwind of life. And most of my family um, was caught up in it. But in, several years ago, I went down trick-or-treating on Austin Avenue, right? I took my son down there, and I was high on meth. And I had took my son trick-or-treating down there. And we came across this house, and they were passing out candy, and they were doing dramas, and people were praying for people there. So this guy comes up to me, and he starts telling me about Jesus. And at first, I'm like, no. And then he comes back again. He asked me, could he pray? And I say, okay. So I, I, I let him pray for me. And then so he prays for me, and he invites me to church. He says, hey, look. Uh, come this Sunday. And he says, uh, I'll look for you. Stay in the back. Uh, he goes, I'll stay in the back after the service. I'll find you. And I said, all right. But I never went. And so fast forward, several years later, I get locked up. I'm, I'm following Jesus while I'm away. And, and I'm about to get released. And there was this pastor at the facility that said, hey, Jason, you got a church you're going to go to when you get out. And I said, no. I said, uh, but there's this one somebody invited me to. And he's like, what's the name of it? And I said, I just can't remember. I said, all I remember is Auntie something. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, Auntie something. So he pulls out the computer and he looks on it. He goes, was it called Antioch? I said, yeah, that's it, Antioch. So, <laughs> so I get out. I come home. And, and, you know, I remember I just prayed. I said, Lord, I want to go where the people of God are. That's where I want to go. I had just left a dark, dark life 
and found freedom in Jesus and had spent a year building a relationship with him while I, was, while I was gone. And now I'm here stepping out new. I didn't know anybody here. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about the church, but I was hungry. I wanted to follow the Lord. And so I remember the first day I walked in the doors over here, uh, when I walked in, this family invited me to sit with them, Jim and Amy Marsh. And I've shared this before, but the Marshes invited me over to sit with them. And then after the service, they invited me to uh, lunch. And then after lunch, they invited me to a life group. And I said, wow, the invitation was there. I can stand here to say today, I don't know where I would be today. The Lord is faithful, but I don't know where I would be at today if the invitation wasn't there from the people of God in the house of God when I came here. So I'm saying thank you. This is, again, I've mentioned this before. This is not just my story. This is our story. This is Antioch Community Church. Um, But that's how we kind of got here. And so... um, it's been a beautiful journey, whether leading life group or being involved in the Mercy House or um, outreaching or just discipleship one-on-one and being in the house with some uh, computer speakers that keep going in and out during worship. <laughs> so just fun. But hey, today I want to kind of take us into this thought and this idea about evangelism. That's a neat word, right? <laughs> evangelism. I, I don't know. Every time I hear it, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> like what does that mean? So when I, I, didn't, I didn't really learn about the word and what evangelism means until I was almost 30 years old. I realized it's a, kind of a church word, like the word gospel is kind of a church word. Don't usually hear it outside of the context of church. But I, I didn't know what this word meant, and I started, when I started following Jesus, I started to find out that evangelism comes from a Greek word. It's meaning to announce good news. It, it's the act of preaching the gospel with the intention of sharing um, the message of Jesus. Preaching the gospel. There goes another word, the gospel. And the gospel means good news. You might hear uh, gospel music. That means it's good music, okay? <laughs> so, so you need to listen to it, all right? <laughs> so the gospel, the good news. Jesus, what is the good news? Well, Jesus rescues. Jesus redeems. He loves. He heals. He forgives. And to know that you were created by him and for him. And this is good news to us who know him, but especially to people that don't know him. It's really good news. And so many in this world, they don't know this. They don't know this, they don't understand this, and they don't believe this. And sometimes when everyone around us in our world is saved, often the urgency to share this good news at every opportunity we have becomes a little light. Because everyone around us seems they're okay, and so there's not this urgency like, I've got to share this good news with somebody. And let me back up real quick. As I did in the first service, I want to say today I want to encourage us. Today I want to equip us and also want to challenge us, okay? And so when I think about this, about this urgency to share the gospel and the good news with people, and when it becomes light, we can can often become a friend group. And call it the church. And we lay aside the invitation and the assignment that Jesus modeled and gave us called the Great Commission. He says in Matthew 28, he says, go therefore, all, well, he says, all authority has been given to me. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, and lo, I'll be with you to the very ends of age. And today, I think about this message, this commission that that God has given us, that Jesus has given us. And I like movies. I like drama movies. 
I probably like more war movies than anything, but I like drama movies. Uh, I'm okay with comedies. It's just hard to find a good comedy. Um, but I like action movies too, but not too much action. But when I read the Bible, I like the book of Mark. It's like a straight-up action right, right out the gate. It's like advancing the kingdom, going for it. And so in Mark 16, 15 is another um, version of the Great Commission that's mentioned in the New Testament. If you can bring that passage up right there. It says, then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes is baptized and is baptized he said, will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They'll pick up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. Now, I know this is a passage sometimes or things when we hear about in church, when you start talking language about angels and demons, it can seem like, oh, okay, wait up. That's way over here, right? Or way over there. But if we think about it, we read the scripture, the Bible says the Lord is spirit, and those who worship the Lord must worship him in spirit and in truth. And and throughout the New Testament, Jesus, everywhere he was going, it talks about he was preaching the gospel and driving out demons. It's like he was healing the sick. He was laying hands, and people were being healed. This is, a, this is not something that I just like, oh, let me pick and pull that out of. But this is the, the scripture that's found in the New Testament. Another scripture that is found in there, it says, in 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God is reconciling us through Christ, and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So God has given us a ministry of reconciliation And he says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. I love that part. He says, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He's saying right here that... God has chosen, he has asked, he's, he's invited for us to be the ones who carry this message of who he is to help be, people be reconciled unto him. There's an invitation that God is giving. He chose 12 people, right? He chose 12 men and 11 decided to run with it. And if you're in this room right now and you've heard the gospel, it's because those 11 decided to take hold of it and run with it and then hand it off and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. This was an invitation. But here's the deal. People cannot respond to an invitation they have not received. And the gospel message is an invitation uh, from God to return to a relationship with him that every person was created for. And God has invited and asked us to be part of that. He asked us to be part of bringing that invitation into the world. I love 2 Peter 3, 9. It says, God is not slow about his promises as some count as slowness. But it's his desire, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So this is God's desire. God isn't up there like, hey, you know what? I see you messing up, and I'm just ready for you to go. He's like, man, my heart breaks for you. I love you. And, And he's pursuing people. And so I'm like, if that's God's heart, if God's heart is a heart pursuing people, then I want to be aligned with him, and I want to walk side by side with him. I'm like, God, break my heart for that too as well. 
God, give me patience for that as well. Lord, give me a love for people that are broken and, and walking distant from you that, I, that you have as well. We often love John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 317 is beautiful as well. It says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. And so God's got, he's on a mission. And his people, he's invited to be a part of it, to, to meet with him there. God's desire is for people to turn to him and come after him. When Jesus came to this earth, when he walked on the earth, he, he was baptized and then he went into the wilderness. And when he came out of the wilderness, he went into the, the, he went into the, to the building and he, and he grabbed a hold of the synagogue and he grabbed a hold of the scrolls and he cracked it open to Isaiah 61. You can find it in Luke chapter 4. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He said, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoner and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he shut it. Boom. He said, you know what? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He sent me to preach good news. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty. And so that's what he did. He went out all throughout the Bible. We see stories of Jesus going through and going places and people crying out and then just calling out to him. There's one story in Mark chapter 10. There's a guy named Blind Bartimaeus. Jesus comes walking through and this guy screams out, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus is walking and the other guys are like, shh, hold it down. Shh, you know, be quiet, you know. And then all of a sudden Jesus, he's like, he stops. And he's like, hey, you, tell him, come here. And so he comes over there, and the blind man goes over there, and he's like, Jesus like, what do you want me to do for you? He goes, Rabbi, I want to see. And he, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And then all of a sudden, the guy's eyes were open, and then it says, immediately, he followed Jesus. There was an immediacy there that he began to follow him. He would go, and he would heal people. He'd drive out demons, and people would be restored, and then he enabled them to go back and share. He would enable them to go back and share. Many of us often, we're only looking at the gospel of salvation when the Lord has invited us into the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. See, we, the eternal salvation, we get through confession and repent, repentance and confession that Jesus is our Lord. But he's also invited us to advance and carry the kingdom here on the earth. The sovereign, the kingdom of God, the sovereign and comprehensive rule of God over every area of life. That can feel like a lot, though. I feel like, well, how do I fit in that? What do I do? That kind of is a little fearful. It means taking on a lot. Luke, 17, Luke 12, 32, he says, he says, do not fear, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's like, don't be afraid. I want to give it to you. And these testimonies, whenever Jesus would deliver somebody, he'd free them, he'd heal them, he'd restore them. Most of the time, they'd immediately follow him unless he gave somebody a different instruction. There's a story in Mark chapter 5 I, 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 I like, I identify with. There's a story about this guy who was demon-possessed. And the reason I say I identify with this because years ago, for, about, for several years, I carried a lot of demonic stuff going on in my life. I had suicidal tendencies. I was depressed. I, had, uh, I knew it was a demon. I knew because I sensed its presence, and I was gripped by it for years. 
And, and my life was consumed with this presence. And then when I met the Lord, he freed me from it. And so I believe when I, when I hear this scripture and I hear Jesus did, does these things, I know. And so whenever somebody says demons, I don't freak out. I'm like, okay, this is real. Because guess what? When Jesus walked the earth, he was driving out demons. And it says that uh, they were getting casted out. And then he, his death, burial, and resurrection, and then the people of God are going. Did that mean that demons ceased from there on? Or did they continue on? They continued on. Did that mean that we don't have the authority or the power of them no more? I believe we do. I believe he's saying, I give you. He says, freely receive, freely you give. And he's called us to drive these out. And so this story about this guy, he comes to the shore. And when he comes to the shore, he finds this demon-possessed guy. And he says, this guy is like, my name is Legion, for I am many. You know, and he's shackled and chained and bound, right? And, and Jesus calls these demons out of this man. He calls him out, and the man's left in his right. He goes to his right state of mind. I know what that's like. I feel it. I've been there. And it says, he says in Mark 5, 18 through 20, it says, As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Man, Jesus, you just did this amazing thing in my life. I want to go wherever you go. I want to be with you. I want to do whatever you do. And he says, but Jesus did not let him but told him, go home to your own people. And report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. This guy could have been like, no, no, I'm going with you. He's like, he said, so he went out and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And they were all amazed. This guy became an evangelist, right? He didn't have theology degree. He wasn't a pastor on staff. He didn't belong. He wasn't a member of a church. He got an encounter with God. He got set free, delivered, and he said, I'll go wherever you send me, Lord, and I'll do whatever you say. And he went and he shared. See, one of my favorite scriptures is also in Psalms 40. It says, I waited patiently upon the Lord, and you inclined and heard my cry. He said, you pulled me up out of a horrible pit. You set my feet upon a rock. You established my steps, and you put a new song in my mouth. And then the next verse, verse 5 goes, many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful deeds which you have done among us. Like if I were to count them, they would outnumber grains of sand to see. They would, if I were to declare them, they'd be too many to be numbered. And that is the reality of the goodness of God, of what he is doing every single day all around us. They're too many to be numbered. But I know sometimes it's like, hey, I want to be at church on Sunday, which is great. But I want to be at every worship set with all my friends, which is great. And I want to just be all together. And, and, and then the Lord says, hey, I, I, I want you to be involved in these things, but I also want you to be able to go out there. Or is our heart willing to say, okay, God, I'll do that. I'll go where you want me to go. The story, there's another story at the woman of the well that I love. It's John chapter 4. During the Easter season, God kept highlighting this story over and over, and specifically in one part. But there's a story of this woman. She's at this well, and Jesus uh, encounters her there, and it says that she came for water. She met, the well, met him at the well, and then she left her jar and went into town and told all the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town, and they made their way to him. So she went to the town and said, hey, this guy told me everything about me. I, he, he's the Messiah. And they said, well, let's go and see for ourselves. And so while they were doing that, it says on John 4, 31, it says, in the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, 
Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. See, the will of God was his desire. This, his, his God was not his stomach. His stomach wasn't, I, I need to be satisfied and filled. And it said in 430, it says, in the meantime, it said, John 433, it said, the disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? Did he get Uber Eats or did he, did somebody bring DoorDash over here? <laughs> He's like, they, so they didn't understand what was going on. And Jesus replied back to him in 434 and 35. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. Don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. They're ready for harvest. This is what kept sticking out to me over this Easter uh, kind of season. Sharing the gospel today, waiting for an event on another day. Well, hey, I'm leaving to ETN. Or I'm going to South Korea. Or we're having an outreach next month. And we get gassed up and we get, we get prepared and ready for that day that we, we don't even consider today. Because we've looked at the next day or down the road for that to be the time. We can, base, we, 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 we can base our past cycles of how we do things to try to organize a move of God instead of seeking first his kingdom today. And saying, Lord, I don't know if tomorrow, tomorrow's even promised. Like the reality, we live like it is. Of course, we prepare and we, we plan for, but the reality is tomorrow is not promised. It's not. In fact, in James, he talks about you, you kind of plan and organize like you're in control about tomorrow. And it's kind of like, well, what about today? What about we? You don't know. We don't know. We don't know when we leave from here who we're going to encounter at the grocery store. We don't know who we're going to encounter at the restaurant. We don't know who we're going to meet up against at the, at the, at, at, in a neighborhood. There's people all around this city who are hungry. They're desperate for a move of God. They're, they're, they're needing it. I don't know. I show up and I just listen and respond to the Lord and I go in and I meet somebody and, and, and they're saying, you know, they're encountering the Lord. My wife, Monica, she was broken in a place needing a move of God and she walked into the grocery store and there was several ladies from the church had stopped her and asked her to pray for her that day. They were responding to that. And when she, when she, they didn't know, she didn't know. But when they did, when they seen and they interacted, it's whenever they got, she, got, she found the Lord. Like the next day, she got, a couple days later, she gave her life to the Lord. And some say, you never know. You just don't know. But we can often live that way like we do know. We, we, God is moving, and he's at work all around us. But we got to go beyond our schedule. We got to go, when I say go beyond our schedule, we got to go past the what fits in the box when it comes to evangelism or sharing the gospel or preaching who Jesus is. Often we say we don't have time and space in our lives, but people are hungry. There's people in Waco, Texas. There's people around this globe that are desperate for hope. I see people getting swallowed up all the time. I see people's lives getting ravaged and the enemy wreaking havoc all the time interacting with people in this community, hearing the despair and the, seeing the tears of cry that people do not have an eternal hope in Jesus, not just for eternity, but even for today. They don't know this gospel. And sometimes it doesn't fit. We, the people of God, we can be stingy with this precious presence that has been gifted to us. 
Because often we can be stuck in our safe zones or we, we ourselves are overwhelmed with life. Life can get full and it can get overwhelming. I know. I understand. We don't have the time for interruptions. We're in the HOV lane. We're trying to get as fast as we can to where we're trying to go. And we don't need anything to stop us along the way. But when we look at the Bible, we see over and over the stories of Jesus. Wherever he was going, something stopped him along the way. And it was a divine moment and a powerful encounter that people can have with God. There's a story, there's a book that I, that I love that I've read over the years. If you're looking for an interest in a good book to read, it's called Wild Goose Chases by a guy named Mark Batterson. But he, in this book, he talks about following the Holy Spirit in such a way it's like a wild goose chase. Now, me, when I saw the cover, I'm like, I grew up saying, oh, that's just a wild goose chase. You know, that's just a wild goose chase, like a never-ending pursuit. I'm not going to get anywhere. But he talks about following the Spirit of God in such a way that it might not make sense to everybody, but you are willing to go wherever he's leading you to. And he has this spot in there called irresponsible responsibility. He said, over the course of our lifetime, God-ordained passions tend to get buried beneath the day-to-day responsibilities. Less important responsibilities displace more important ones. And our responsibilities become spiritual excuses that keep us from the adventure God has destined us for. Without even knowing it, we begin to practice what he calls irresponsible responsibility. And the wild goose chase begins when we come to terms with our greatest responsibility, pursuing the passions God has put in our heart. Shortly, Matthew 6, which says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. It's seeking God in such a way, say, Lord, whatever you have for the day, God, that's center in my life. I got all these things, and if these things are hogging up time, energy, and space, and capacity, and robbing me from being able to walk out what you have, because guess what? We only live once. We only have one life here on earth. One life. And our life here on earth can be consumed with building up something that when we get, we get down the road, we're like, I wish I could have, should have, would have, instead of saying, Lord, what do you want to do today? I'm posturing my heart, starting over, saying, God, here's my life. Okay, I've had the days before, and it's been full of this, and here I am today, and I'm saying, God, I, I give you my life. Do whatever you want to do with it. Now, again, when I say these things, I'm not wanting anybody in here to feel the weight of things, but I want to encourage us into what, how we do this. Evangelism, it's not an event, it's a lifestyle. But the enemy is real, and he wants, us, he wants to distort this truth. He wants, and this belie- he wants us to believe that it's not a lifestyle. But you need to know that strongholds are real, but you carry the keys to the kingdom and to help set the captives free. That the Lord has given us keys to the kingdom. But sometimes, and it doesn't happen over one conversation, when we go out, we share with somebody, and we're like, we're waiting for them to say the prayer, and then we feel like, oh, yeah, they did it, okay. But sometimes it doesn't happen that way. In fact, the scripture says in in Corinthians, Paul says, some plant, some water, but ultimately God gives the increase. I remember whenever I, the guy shared with me on the Halloween outreach, I didn't say, yes, I'll go, or yes, and then become a follower of Jesus in that moment. But it was years later when that seed that was planted inside of me that then came to, to, to grow that I responded to it. And so we, we don't have to feel like this place of getting the response right away is a success. Success is not in the numbers. Success is in the process of doing what God has called us to do. And we can be people walking in this. 
But if everything is about just an event and not just a lifestyle, if it's about just being a good time or living comfortably, then maybe we've been focused on the intermission instead of the great commission. Maybe we've been focused on chill mode and good time. And I know we want to be happy. I do. But the Lord has invited us. He's invited us to, to something powerful and special. So how do you do this? I bet you some of you in here, you get nervous, right? Who get, okay, there's some laughs. I bet you if Life Group was like, they sent out a message, we're going out sharing the gospel this week, attendance was low that week. <laughs> oh, see, there we go, the laughs. Maybe so. Maybe, maybe you were like, okay, that's not for me. It's a couple things that we bought into we could believe is one. is what I'm not good at sharing with people. Or maybe I don't do well talking to people. Or that's not my gifting. I'm like, come on. Or I don't know what to share. Or this is for someone else to do. Or what if they ask me questions I don't know how to answer? <laughs> I'm going to say all of the above is going to happen to you. People are going to ask you questions you might not have the answer to. You might feel nervous to go share. You might often think somebody else will do this. But it doesn't change the fact that it's still the commission for you and invitation to you. What happens is we tend to rely on self to share the most amazing news that ever hit the headlines of our lives. We can, we can try to lean on self and then self can only offer so much. And then it can leave us in a place of possible performance. And then where performance comes to take over, then we share with the wrong motive or the wrong heart. But good thing is, is we don't have to do this on our own. The scripture in Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the world. I love this verse. If we look back whenever Jesus was on the earth and whenever he read out of Isaiah 61, he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And now he's saying, you shall receive power when my spirit comes upon you. This, this power that was on Jesus is the power that he's placing on us to as well go out and preach the gospel, to lay hands on the sick to be his witnesses. I like in Acts 2, 4, it says, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, there it goes again. The Spirit is the one that enabled people to be able to share. And as I mentioned, like he, it's his power. It's his anointing. So let's look at it like this. How does this work? What, what, what does it mean? How can I, like, lean on the Spirit or allow the Spirit to fill me, enable me? Often when I go places, I'll, most of the time I'll say, Lord, when I go in somewhere, is there inward? I'll say, Lord, is there anybody you want me to share with here? So I'm listening for God to, to speak, you know. I go to different places, and, and so I'll, I shared earlier this testimony. Uh, well, who, who in here has done treasure hunting? Anybody? All right, so treasure hunting is a fun, neat little way that we can go out, practice listening to the voice of the Lord, and then go out and share with people. And so several years ago, uh, me and a friend of mine's named Rick, we came up here, and we said, hey, let's go out. And so we waited on the Lord. And when we waited on the Lord, we heard bus station, man with green shirt. Uh, I seen a picture of a, uh, a guy with a green shirt. And then I saw Skinny's, the store. Yeah, Skinny's, yeah. And so I saw but not just any skinnies. I saw the one up on Waco Drive in Valley Mills, right over there. 
And so we went to the bus station. We seen a guy with a green shirt, and we went right over to him, and we started sharing, to, sharing with him. And, man, this guy was just, just so encouraged and loved that we got to pray with him. He was about to take a bus and go out of town. So we prayed with him, and we left. And when we left, we came back to the church, and I was like, all right, man, I'll see you later. And I was like, ah, I forgot, skinnies. And he go, I said, you want to go? He said, yeah, come on, let's go. So we go to Skinny's. We drive down here to the, to the, to the store right here on uh, Valley Mills and Waco Drive, and we pull up. There's all these cop cars in the parking lot, right? And I was like, uh-oh. So I walk up to the cop car, and I was like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> he, goes, he goes, the place was getting robbed. And I said, oh, yeah? I said, uh, he goes, but well, we got the guy in the back. And I said, oh, yeah, can I talk to him? And he goes, who, the guy that almost shot the lady? I said, yeah. He goes, all right. So he goes over there. He opens the cop car door, and there's this guy in the back seat, and he's like, he's like, and I heard the Lord. I said, Lord, what I say to him? What I share with him? And I heard the Lord said, tell him my plan for his life is good. And I was like, there's a guy just getting arrested for robbery, and the Lord's telling me to tell him my plans. So I open the door. I get down in there in the car with him, and I said, hey, man. I said, I felt the Lord told me to come here. I said, he highlighted this story, and when I came here, and I said, and I, I hear him saying he wants me to tell you that his, no, right now, even though it looks the way it does, his plan for your life is still good. I said, can I pray with you, man? And he's like, yeah, man. And so right there in that car, I just began to pray with him just to encourage him. But I was like, man, I don't know. Like, who, who knows? Like, I mean, I would just want to be obedient and speak what the Lord was saying. You know, there's been other times, that whether it's been in Indonesia sharing the gospel in a cab ride with somebody or just wherever, you know, just constantly listen to the Lord. I was in, a, I was in the, uh, the, the beauty shop yesterday. That's what you call it, right? The beauty shop. <laughs> the barber shop, the beauty shop, right? And there was, this, there was a lady, and she was kind of sharing all these things going on in her life. And I wasn't, like, ear hustling. I was like, you know, but I could hear because it, it was loud enough for everybody to hear <laughs> And then she came, she got ready to leave. She goes, I'm sorry you had to hear all that. And I said, no, it's okay. But I felt the Lord said, you need to encourage her. You need to encourage her. It's like, but Lord, I don't want to make, I don't want to be like I'm prying in her conversation. Or anything. And so right when she was walking out, I said, ma'am, I said, hey, uh, I heard what you were sharing. And I said, I just wanted you to know that that's not God's heart. And he, he loves you. Like, because she was sharing her pain and things. And she just said, oh. And, and I said, and I just said, yeah, the Lord just wants you to know, you know, he, he's thinking about you. And she said, um, she said, I needed this, I need that, I need a spiritual. And I said, well, hey, why don't you come to church tomorrow? And she goes, where do you go? And I said, I go to Antioch. And she goes, ah, she goes, you're the third person that's invited me over here. And I was like, oh, yeah. She said, yeah, earlier this week, she worked in a clinic. She said somebody came in with a cut on her hand, and as they were getting the hand repaired, they were inviting her to Antioch. And I said, hey. It's going to plant the seed, you know? <laughs> so just going wherever the Lord leads and saying whatever the Lord says, I'm not here based on, like, I had to see this response. But I'm like, Lord, I just want to be faithful and go with you on the journey. Again, there's, there's real pain out here and real people that do not have the eternal and everyday hope that's found in Jesus. I love the story, uh, the, the map of the 2,000-year-old the church that, you know, you've seen probably in here. If you've been at Antioch for a while, you've seen uh, the story that's found in Acts 2.42 where it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of the bread and prayer. And everyone was filled with, an awe, with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, they were together and, every, and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor with all the people. And one of my favorite parts is this last one. It says, and the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. These were a people that were marked by devotion. They were living life together. They were seeking the Lord, and they were out there, and there was people that were being saved. People witnessed this, but then there was also this evangelistic of drawing people in with this message, this good news of who Jesus is. It wasn't a, it wasn't, people were being activated. It wasn't a cruise ship, but there was more like lifeboats pulling people in out of the water who were drowning in sin. And these people were pulling people into the family of God, people getting rescued. That's the church. That's, that's the church right there. We're, we're amongst the people that are hurting, that are broken, and that are lost. And we're not, we, we share with them, but then we also pull them hands up and pull them in. I want to close with this story. There's a story in, in, found right after that in Acts 3. That's a story about Peter and John right after this story, Acts 2.42, there's a story called Peter and John. It says they were on their way to the temple to go pray. And as they were going, they came across a man who was lame since birth. And they would take him and they would put him at the gate and the guy would beg for money every day. And as he walked by the guy, the guy looked intently at him. And, and, and Peter and John, they looked at him and they said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have in the name of Jesus, get up. And they stuck out their hand and the man got up. And his ankle bones and his feet were strengthened. The man then jumped up. It says he leaped up and he began to uh, celebrate. And he was, it says he jumped up, started to walk, and he entered the temple with them. So not only did they just say, hey, see you later. They said, come on. And he walked with them into the temple. Walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate, the temple. And so they were all filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. People were like, wow, this is real. Verse 316, it says, by faith in his name, his name has, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of you all. This prayer of faith partnered with this response of faith by this man had this miracle for all to see it. The next chapter says about 5,000 people became, the number became about 5,000 people because people had believed the message. This guy, the woman at the well, the demon-possessed guy, again, they didn't have this extensive training and equipping. They had this encounter with God, and they had a story to tell. Every, each one of you in here, the goodness of God. Just imagine if this room right here went out and we shared with one person today how many people in this city would hear the gospel. What if this became our lifestyle every single day? 2020, I, I had I worked at, with Mercy House for about uh, six, seven years, and I went to lead our Impact Waco team over in the Annex building. And I, I remember when I got there, um, Susan Peters, who was uh, 
kind of my manager, she said, okay, after about six months I was in the office, I had nothing in my office. I had a bare desk and that was it. <laughs> and I said, I don't need a bunch of furniture. But she's like, I need you to get some furniture so your people know you ain't leaving. I said, all right. I said, all right. So I got me, I got me a bookshelf. I put it in there. And, and I saw this picture. And I had this picture in my mind about what to get, but I kept going back and forth. I was like, I don't know, I don't know. I said, this is a church. If I get this, people might be kind of like, why has he got this in his office? But I ordered it, and I purchased it. And this is the picture that I got hanging in my office right here. Every day I go into work, when I sit at my desk, this is what I have hanging over my desk. It's a picture of D-Day, the D-Day landing. It's an invasion. And I'm reminded daily that we are called to invade darkness and that there's so many people that are lost, broken, and hurt. The people on these boats, there was 133,000 soldiers that hit that beach that day. And they invaded that beach, and they went in, and they went through the country, and they ended up liberating so many. And I know that it might be uncertain what we're looking at. It might be uncertain what lies ahead. But I know that God has called us to help be a part of liberating people and setting the captives free in this city. Setting the captives free in this nation. And around the world, God is raising us up to bring his voice to those who don't know him and to liberate those bound in sin and bring salvation to the lost. He's commissioning you to go into places where there isn't hope, where people need a word or people need prayer or a manifested miracle that's going to bring about change. You don't have to travel to the darkest part of the globe. To share the gospel, you can do it right here in this city today. In fact, there's maybe some in this room that need to hear the truth of who he is and, and a, an encouraging word and how to know him and follow him. So I want to ask you to stand to your feet. I believe that God today wants to give a, a, a radical, consistent bravery to be able to walk this out. This is not what you're not doing kind of thing. This is an encouragement for us to what we today, what we have the invitation to. As I mentioned, there's the lost and broken in Waco, Texas, hurting. There's family members that are hurting. Acts 4.31 says, as they prayed, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. I'm going to ask that our prayer teams come forward right now. If you're in this house right here and you, you have a boldness in your life and you've been walking this south, then I want to say thank you. If you're in this room right now and you're saying, I, I, I get nervous when it's time to go share the gospel, then I want to say just like they did in Acts, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they went out and proclaimed the gospel with unrestrained boldness and you want that in your life, then I want to say, don't just leave, but I want to say, come on down here right now. If you want to start making your way down here right now saying, you know what, I came to church today and I heard and I want the boldness of God to be able to go out and share this gospel all over the city or in my neighborhood or at the school, then I want to say, come down here. Whether you're 16, whether you're 65, 80, or you're 12, I want to say come down here. Like let this be a place where that is the ground is shaken and the gospels proclaimed boldly. And as people are making way down here, if you're in this room today and you're like, you know what, I came here and I, have, I haven't given my life to Jesus and I want to today, 
I need him. I'm desperate for him. And I want you just to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I come to you today and I ask for your forgiveness. God, I ask for you to come into my heart. I ask God for you to set me free. Lord, I ask for you to be my king and to be my Lord. And I want to follow you with my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I say come down here, meet with one of these folks, or go to the connect room.